Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, November 19, 2021, and I have an awesome guest in the line who joined the Organic Gardener Podcast Facebook group. And I said, will you please come on? Because listeners, I'm looking for backyard gardeners just like you. If you're out there, um, reach out to me. I would love to hear your experiences. And I'm sorry if you emailed me and I missed it because on the plane, I'm in New York visiting my mom and I, on the plane, I went through my emails and I did find an email from a listener that I still haven't replied to that she wrote me in like September. But anyway, today, Allison is here to tell us about her gardening journey or originally I think, well, we'll find out. I'm going to let her talk. So welcome to the show, Allison McClendon. Allison. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Well, we're excited because you have an awesome Instagram channel and you're the kind of people that we really learn from. Like in the pre-chat, we were talking about Daniel Mays and, and, and I do appreciate the, but to me, it's the backyard gardeners, just like you that bring my show to life and, and share their experiences that we can then take in turn and put into place in our garden. So, I mean, unless you're striving to be a market farmer, but a lot of my listeners are just like you and me. So welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, so I am actually originally from Illinois, but my family and I live in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And um, we, my husband and I um, have a house with a third of an acre, which is really, it feels pretty big and it looks big when I, when I see my pictures, but it's actually not, it's, it's a manageable size. Um, we moved here um, about five years ago. We, um, we started our gardening um, at our old house, which had a little tiny raised bed that we built. And we were, um, uh, we were inspired by permaculture and um, we were trying to utilize our space well by, um, by planting densely. And we were kind of using a modified square foot gardening um, model in that small space. And um, it was a really interesting way to start. And, um, you know, really all we wanted to do was dip our toes in the water. Um, so we, um, what we discovered is that once you put a garden in, um, all of the insects immediately find out. So it, it was a good way to start um, kind of trying to understand um, uh, what grows well here, what doesn't, um, what our insect pressure is. Um, so anyway, we, um, we did seek out a place that had more land. Um, our backyard, we are on a pie-shaped piece of property where it's wide in the back. And so our land um, was originally, it had a lot of volunteer pine and sweet gum trees. And um, so we had and this sounds awful to say, but we had 38 trees taken out. Um, what we um, have done though is add, um, we have a high density apple orchard. It's on a trellis. Um, we have um, heirloom cider apples that grow well in our region. And then we also have a large no-till um, market garden style garden, but it is really just, um, it's just a no-till garden with the 30-inch raised beds, um, wood-chipped paths. We also put in um, a, um, well, we originally kept bees. My husband um, has um, since become allergic to them, so we had to rehome the bees. But we also put in a really big um, 
Uh, it's a, well, it's a wildflower bed, but um, we're kind of letting the native stuff just come up as, as the seeds emerge from the seed bank. So now we have, you know, goldenrod and um, bone set and a lot of stuff like that, that, that grows there. It's, it's sort of an insect, I forget how you say it, but insectary. Some people refer to it as a, um, a hedgerow. It's um, against our back fence. So there's the blueberries and blackberries and then this long bed, it's 17 inches wide by about 200 feet, no, 17 feet wide by about 200 feet long. It's just all um, pollinator garden. And so we're, um, we're trying to encourage as much balance in our garden as possible. So you know, while it felt heartless to remove a lot of those pine trees, what we've done is add diversity and life. So that's kind of what we're doing here. That is awesome. I know it's hard to cut down the trees, but sometimes you have to. I mean, you got to have that sun and the apple orchard trees to, to produce apple cider is going to be beneficial to you and your community. And the bees are going to get more out of that anyway. So, you know, it's all, uh, what can you do? Uh, so I do always start the show out, Allison, asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, did you grow up in Chicago proper? Did your parents like ever have a garden? Like, how old were you? Were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with? And what what is the first thing you remember growing? Well, um, I did not grow up in Chicago proper. I grew up downstate in the middle of the state in a place called Bloomington. Um, it is absolutely surrounded by um, what was not so much industrial ag at that point, but now is just all corn and beans. And um, it's, it's kind of dismal, actually. I mean, it's a beautiful environment, um, but the, the, the agriculture that takes place there is, is to me just sad. Um, my mother um, took up gardening as I was growing up. Um, but I think really what got me started is that we, we would go camping, we would go hiking, there were some wild places that we would go to in our area, and um, I have always just loved nature, um, so um, it was really, it was really just my love of nature that kind of brought me to gardening. Um, I lived in Atlanta for a while and um, had a house that had a huge yard and some people um, that who lived there prior to when I got the place they were um, landscape designers and so they had put a lot of really neat things in and then they had become um, unable to care for the property and so um, it was really um, my mom came and helped me with that yard and it was um, I don't know, just trying to find out what, what's actually here and how do I take care of it that got me fired up. And she got me a lot of nice tools to work with, a wheelbarrow, you know, good shovels, that kind of thing. So um, anyway, that was, um, that was kind of my beginning. So then how did you learn how to garden organically? Was it from your love of nature or from your mom or where, where did that come in? Well, both. Um, my mother... Um, was, you know, she was a, an early adopter of a lot of this stuff. And I think really my love of nature um, was from her directly. Um, she had a wonder about her that um, I have definitely <laughs> got. Um, 
And so I think really the time in nature um, has given me an appreciation for all the living things that are out there. I, um, I really can't bring myself to use um, the heavy chemicals that will throw off the balance. I don't want to kill anything. I want to create balance so that the, the, um, the system will work on its own as much as possible. So um, I also, um, I, growing up in Illinois and seeing all of the crop dusting, the, the, um, the model of growing there, the soil is some of the richest soil in the United States and it's just being um, ruined, <laughs> frankly. And, and it, it just kills me. It, it makes me so sad and upset to see that happening. Um, I also, my family has celiac disease. And so when I am thinking about um, raising food, I am um, thinking about the food as nourishment and how it will affect my body is something I'm really aware of. Um, my son also has celiac disease. And so when my husband and I first began gardening, it was really never a question. We had um, some of the Rodale's material um, we were trying to learn about, you know, um, disease and insect pressure and how we could mitigate that. Um, and, you know, uh, for us, gardening for our family and gardening with a, a baby and small child, we didn't want to use any of the um, chemical stuff that was out there. So that was really um, a lot of our motivation there. Oh, I love all of that. And that's, that's exactly why I started my podcast because since you haven't been following me for very long, you might not know, but technically my husband's the gardener and I've always called myself the organic eater. Although this year I outdid myself and I uh -huh. grew, I grew so much. Like I was like at the point where I was like, I don't want to go to the garden anymore. <laughs> But I'm kind of over that already. Like I, I just love the healthy food. And then just even like we were talking the pre-chat, we just got back from the grocery store and some of the food that was in there, some of the vegetables. And I was like, seriously, like, oh, this just looks so, you know, you could just tell it had been either sitting on a store shelf for a really, really long time or just didn't have anything to make you feel like you were going to get any nutrients out of eating this piece of fruit or this I can't remember what it was, but there was something that I was like, really, they're selling this as like a vegetable. There's like, got, can't be any nutritional value left in this like super pale celery or something that was just like, so maybe it was the let it, I don't know. Anyway, um, where was I back to, uh, tell, so tell us about something you've done such an amazing job describing your place. Like a lot of times I feel like I have to ask guests to really like go in a little more depth to explain, like I can't really visualize, but you did such a good job helping us visualize what your garden looks like. So what what's something that did grow well for you this year? Well, um, I have to say, um, because I, I, I mean, I've been around gardening for a long time and uh, you know, my husband and I did start our garden at our old house in the um, in the raised bed that we built, but you know I was in the fog of early parenting, and um, so I still consider myself kind of a greenhorn at this. And so um, I started um, this garden that we have out there. Um, I started in um, spring of 2020, and um, kind of you know for the same reason that a lot of people other uh, a lot of other people did. Um, 
so really we started with kind of lifeless soil we had done a little bit of um you know mulching the soil in advance to try to um you know add some life back into it but um this year well okay so i'll back up last year 2020 the garden did okay but it was brand new soil it was like you know there was nothing <laughs> living in it and so no. everything did okay um but this year it to answer your question what grew well this year i have to say everything i've done so much um over the last year to uh, support the soil to um, add organic matter i've been um uh, making compost teas. I've been um, doing foliar feeding. Um, I've started getting um, more into the Korean natural farming concepts. Um, I can't say I am anything like um, uh, an expert. I'm, I'm a complete greenhorn there too, but I'm just really excited by the idea of being able to make my own um, amendments from, you know, plants and um, uh, teas that I make here on site. And so everything, you know, we started out with fairly lifeless soil and now you reach down into the soil and it's, it's loose. It's not compact. It has good structure. There's, um, there's life in it. Um, I've been able to support the soil biology. And, um, so everything is just stronger and healthier. And I don't even, at this point, I kind of don't even care how much I get out of it. I want to eat out of the garden, obviously, but this is just a process for me for learning and adding life into the place where I am. And so um, in answer to your question, I would say everything did better. <laughs> so it's, it's just been, um, that's been fun for me. Well, then I guess I have to ask, what are some things that you grew then? Like, did you grow tomatoes or broccoli or lettuce or what'd you grow? Um, okay, so I live in Alabama and it's blasting hot here in the summertime. We, um, we had a, a wet summer, which is great because that helps. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm out there watering a lot. Um, but so, yeah, I grew, um, I grew okra and green peppers. Well, no, um, not green peppers, povolanos. Um, I'm kind of mentally going down the roads. Um, green beans, um, butter beans, cucumbers, um, tomatoes, sweet potatoes, and watermelon and cantaloupe. And then we also have asparagus. And um, in the places where the asparagus had um, bare places, I just kind of on a lark threw some ginger in those spots. And um, so, um, and also some turmeric. I just I just grabbed some organic um, turmeric and ginger at the health food store and threw them in just for grins. And um, so Wait, they all they sec. all did well. So like you went to the grocery store, bought like a ginger root, put that in the ground, and it grew. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like from <laughs> the produce <laughs> section, or like yeah. you had to find uh, ginger. Is that what grows the ginger root? Like the yeah, awesome yeah. Um, and so I mean I follow yeah I follow so many different folks on um, Instagram that's really as far as the ginger is concerned yeah I follow a lot of different folks on Instagram and um, it's a lot of folks like me who are just like hey let me try it out and so um, yeah somebody had showed that they just bought organic turmeric and organic ginger 
and they put it in the ground and shazam, it turned into plants that produced more turmeric and ginger. And I was like, well, hey, I can do that. So um, I did definitely go for the organic ones though. So they weren't sprayed with any weird stuff. That's so awesome to hear because I thought you had to order that stuff from like some place in Hawaii or something. So that that is just, that's just the coolest thing. I love that tip. Golden seeds, you're, you're giving us golden seeds, Allison. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. So what's something you're excited you're to try next year or someone you want to try that something new that you want to try? Um, well, for sure, I want to scale up my compost game. Um, I follow um, some really inspiring compost makers on Instagram also. And um, so I'm always learning more um, about how to do that. And Compost, I don't know if it's true where you live, but um, finding um, quality living compost in, oh, yeah. um, in my community is hard. There's a place here that has started a, a really ambitious, um, good game of trying to make quantity compost, but um, the people who want compost far exceeds their um, there's stock. So anyway, I want to scale up my compost game. I've been learning a little bit about a kind of composting called um, Johnson Sue SU. Um, it's the last name of, um, of the people who came up with this style of composting. And I'd like to learn more about that because you can really make large quantities in a small space. Great listeners, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Patty Armister has an awesome composting class on her website that goes into the Johnson Sioux method. It's actually three great ways to make compost, but you learned the Johnson Sioux method. Uh, just go to pattyarmbrister.com. P-A-T-T-I-A-R-M-B-R-I-S-T-E-R.com. Um, and Patty will teach you everything you need to know. Um, I also want to learn more about um, Korean natural farming uh, so I can make more um, natural amendments to use in my garden because I uh, really where it's at for me is strengthening the plants for disease resistance and insect resistance um, without pushing them with nitrogen. I wanna make them stronger um, and not you know, shove them to do more than they're capable of doing. So um, I'd also like to add, um, we bought a, um, a stainless steel tank. Um, it's a 500 gallon tank. Um, and we're wanting to use that for water catchment. Um, it's ready to go, it, it needs a lid, but it's really ready to go. So we wanna hook it up to our, um, the gutters on our shed. Um, and I'd like to be able to have some free water to use because it's just, you know, it's better water and it's, and it's free. So yeah. I'd also like to, um, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can close my mail. This is just terrible. Yes. And no worries. Can you hear me? And what was I going to say? All right. I love that because somebody started talking to me this summer about worrying about the rain getting on their chicken poop compost. And I was like, seriously, that is the most thing you're worried about. I'm like, we collect our rain to put on the garden. I think it's better for us. I mean, yeah. Would I not like to see like half of the stuff that we put in the planet, but like I mean, all the waters being, you know, I'm more worried like you are about the glyphosate they're spraying on the crops that goes into the water. So now like, even if you buy organic food at the grocery store, 
half the time it's been watered with, um, you know, it's it's watered with water that's, you know, that has the glyphosate in it because we've come totally contaminated our whole water supply. And like here in New York where my mom lives and what drives me crazy is like, her lawn looks so great. It looks so lush. It's It doesn't look any different than any other lawn on her block. But yet all of her neighbors insist on spraying these chemicals on their stupid lawn to get rid of their weeds. And I just makes me want to pull my hair out. And meanwhile, they have like one of the worst, but like she has to boil her water and I'm to drink because it's been so contaminated. Wow. And I'm just like, what do these people think? If you have a yellow flag that says don't walk here for 24 hours, where do you think those chemicals go? Obviously, they're going into the soil, which then drips down into the ground. I mean, it's just like, did you not take basic science 101? I don't know. Anyway, off my bandwagon. But I mean, uh, what was, what did we, oh yeah. So a couple of things. Quickly, listeners, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't promote Petty Armbruster has an awesome composting webinar that you can still buy and um, you just, it's not live. So you don't get to ask the personal questions, but you get into her classroom on um, the three types of composting and she goes pretty in depth into the Johnson Sioux method. So if anybody listeners are out there are interested in that. Um, so how do you make your compost right now? I mean, I am so, I don't, this is the other thing that drives me crazy. So that Kiss the Ground book I was telling you about that Eileen's reading in the pre-chat, um, I just saw the movie and I read the mm-hmm. book last year because somebody had, I did an interview with this guy, uh, what was his name? Finian Makepeace last year. And it talks about in San Francisco, they literally like collect compost from restaurants, from people's curbs, from everywhere. And they have this program and it's like, you pay for your garbage based on the weight of your garbage can. And so if you throw your composting vegetables into the, you know, green composting garbage bin and your recyclables and whatever, and then your black bin has what's left, you know, that's going to be a lot less for you to pay because it's going to weigh a lot less because you don't have that food in there. And like, Mm -hmm. why in our country we're wasting all this incredible food that could go into the organ, into the soil and especially the whole kiss the ground book is about using the soil to capture carbon in the four ways like if we save our soil and grow diverse like you're talking about you know having diverse crops and um just you know that this could be the biggest game changer in yes we need to stop polluting and using the get off the fossil fuels but at the same time the saving the soil and the carbon capture the soil can do is going to be the biggest thing to put us back on track. And so I love your passion. I'm just so passionate about composting. And I just, it pulls my hair out that people don't compost. It's just, especially where I live, because we paid yeah. to haul our garbage 80 miles from where I live. That's where the landfill is. So we're hauling and like, I, I just, it drives me nuts. And people complain about our property taxes. I'm like, well, hey, yeah. I guess maybe actually my newspapers, I have an article going out in the newspaper this week. It should, it should have been print, but I didn't see it because I'm here in New York. I have to ask my husband. Anyway, off track, Jackie, be quiet. Um, We talked about something different next year. Tell us about something that didn't work this season. There had to be something that didn't go the way you thought it was going to. Uh, Yeah, I would say probably, um, so our property, um, Alabama is very hilly, and so our property is um, 
high at one side and low at the other. And so um, one of the things about our, um, our property that we're trying to get figured out is in the areas that we don't have, um, we've put swales and berms in the areas where the trees are and then you know, the, the garden is on contour going down a hill. And so it's essentially a series of swales and berms. Um, the swales are um, the paths that are filled with wood chips and then the berms are the raised beds. Um, in the other parts of our um, yard in that area that it, are not yet figured out, um, we've got a lot of erosion. And so, um, um, and for a lot of reasons, you know, life, parenting, you know, all of that stuff, it's been hard for us to get, um, well, in money, um, because our property is on a hillside, it's also very hard to get material up there. It takes a lot of doing. Um, so we haven't been able to cover all of that soil um, that is exposed. And so we've experienced um, quite a lot of erosion in some areas. And so that's one of the things that definitely um, got my attention this summer is I saw how much, um, how much work is still needed to um, happen back there to address just that exposed soil. Um, the other thing that I kind of couldn't figure out is the sweet potatoes. Um, I grew my own slips um, at the beginning of the season um, from the sweet potatoes that I raised last year. And, um, and I also grew them in the same area, although I did have um, a diverse cover crop in that bed over the um, cold season. Um, but then in the spring, I, you know, once the slips were ready, I put them back in that same bed. I think I've got a lot to learn about how to grow sweet potatoes. I think maybe um, I need to change where they grow, um, not grow them in the same place um, year after year. And I think maybe I need to get some um, slips that are off of, um, you know, some other potatoes that I, I didn't grow in that space. Because really what I experienced was they were, they were great um, plants, they were very strong. Um, but then when I got the sweet potatoes out of the ground, um, I was super excited. I had all these bins ready to, to hold all these sweet potatoes I anticipated getting. And they were, um, some of them were cracked. And um, actually I'd say probably at least a third of them, maybe half um, showed, um, they were just really, um, uh, you know how tomatoes will do when they get too wet um, right before you pick them and they'll split? It was like that. And I don't know if it's because we had such a wet summer and it really was a wet summer here. Um, but when I cured them, then those that had split, they started getting soft and I, I've had to compost a lot of them. So I'd say the sweet potatoes were the disappointment. Well, without a doubt, rotating your crops is definitely, uh, you know, something that you probably, you know, that you need to do. Or at least I know that from, I was going to say from Mike's experience with potatoes, he struggled with potato, just regular potatoes for years. And then he finally mastered it. And then, and so during the pandemic 2020, we had so many potatoes, seed potatoes. I bought 85 pounds of seed potatoes like an idiot. And he planned to have the mini farm in them. And that was great. He had the best year. But then this summer, 2021, 
he just planted some of the ones he had saved and I didn't buy new ones. And he just did not, we just like the other day, he was like, can you buy me potatoes before you go to New York for sweet up potatoes for Thanksgiving? And it just like, was like so different to me because we were still like eating the potatoes that he grew the year before. I was like, what? I haven't bought a potato. I mean, I've literally not bought a potato since 2019 until this past week. And, um, <laughs> I was like potatoes yeah. really because because they're even like they're on a report I'm like those they just must not be good he must not like them or maybe the red potatoes I don't know he was out of the white ones but yeah sometimes you've got to order you've got to kind of get the seed potatoes from that and I know in Montana like I have this listener who keeps writing to me and asking where am I going to get seed potatoes because in Montana they they have to be grown by specific growers or you have to get them through like Montana State University like there's really like some big thing about potatoes it's not the easiest that you can't just go buy a potato cut it in pieces usually and grow it I don't think I'm so like interested to hear like and I don't know if regular potatoes are different than sweet potatoes we uh we haven't ever tried to grow sweet potatoes there was a girl I did interview in Billings Montana which is very cold um, you know, a northern climate, and I know they usually prefer a colder, but she was very successful. She did talk about like um, when she ordered the potato slips, the first box that the first package that came, they just were like, they ended up having to reship them and like ship them on a Monday instead of a Friday. So she got them like the first batch was like shipped on a Friday and sat at the post office for too long or something. They didn't do as good. And then the next batch they did they were they were really good but I remember uh there was a lot of stuff but sweet potatoes I think there's there's quite the learning curve I just want to tell you Allison before I forget like you say you're a greenhorn but let me tell you you've done a lot of research and this guy John Lee Dumas who used to always who's the person who taught me how to podcast used to always say you know an expert in a court of law is just the person is somebody who knows more than everybody else in the room and I am definitely telling you, you are an expert compared to a lot of us because you have done a lot of research. You've taken your research, you put it in practice already for a season or two. And um, I can't wait to read your book when it comes out, if you've read a book, because I think you are, you are headed to be, you're just, it's just amazing. And we thank you for sharing all these lessons with us and being, you know, open about challenges. So anyway, this is the part of the show we call getting to the root of things. So do you have a least favorite activity in the garden that you got to kind of force yourself to get out there and do? Oh, I do. It's watering in the heat of the day. You know, Alabama is very hot and very humid. And the, the pressure of the sun and the heat in the, in the heat of the summer, it, it's intense. Um, I'm from Illinois, which is not a... Um, it's it's hot there too but it's not like Alabama it's it's really hot here so um I was grateful that it was a rainy summer um because when I am aware that my plants are needing water I will go out and take care of them but oh man it's hard uh so I'd say watering in midsummer during the heat of the day that's my least favorite activity well my listeners know watering is my biggest challenge too can I just, and I can edit this out, or you don't even have to answer either one of them. I'm just so curious, like, why did you guys move to Alabama? 
Um, well, so um, I lived in Chicago um, as a young adult. I was involved in music there, and um, I um, I ended up um, uh, moving to the South um, to be with a boyfriend, and um, then that was um, you know, that was a, a chapter in my life that ended. Um, but then I was I was in Atlanta and met my husband, my now husband, and um, so. I just ended up coming on over here. That's so interesting. And funny, I mean, I don't know if anybody cares whatsoever, but of the lower 48, the only two states I have not been to are Alabama and Louisiana. So I don't know. I was so interested. Like when you were like, it's hilly. I never would have pictured Alabama as being hilly. So that was interesting. It is. It, um, they say that we are the Amazon rainforest mm. of the United States. If you ever look at the map, like a, a topographic map of Alabama and you're, um, you're focusing on, um, you know, uh, biodiversity, we have the highest biodiversity in the United States. Um, we have um, just amazing watersheds. We have amazing natural areas. It's a really beautiful state. Um, so, you know, we're, we enjoy that aspect. Well, of I lot. did drive through the top of Arkansas and it was a beautiful, I was, I remember, I'll never forget that drive. Like it really stood out in my head. I was coming back from like uh, New Mexico via Texas. And I don't know, somehow I went through like the top of Arkansas and on up, but uh, cool. Well, I was just curious, like you moved there because, because of like the gardening or whatever. Um, on the flip side, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden? Um, I would say definitely just looking around. Um, you may have noticed this in my Instagram um, posts, but one of the things I love the most about being in the garden is seeing all of the life that has moved in. You know, when we moved into this property, um, the people who lived here before, there was very little diversity. There were pine and sweet gum trees. Um, and some of the blue hydrangeas, um, but they really did not have much going on in the, the landscape beyond that. And so now that we've put in all of these um, areas that support, um, you know, spiders, all of the different insects, the birds, um, it's so much fun for me to just walk around and see who's here. And um, I love to take videos of the bees as they're gathering their nectar and pollen. I love to watch the spiders. I love to watch the goldfinches. You know, the wildflower area is, um, it produces a lot of seeds. And so in the fall, in the late summer and fall, it's just alive with goldfinches, which to me is so cool. And then, you know, um, we have an easement behind our property and we have um, put in a big gate so that we can get back there. and. Um, I put all of the brush and stuff that I, you know, when we prune, I, I just put um, the brush back there. And um, so, you know, there's just, um, there's lots of places for living things to find their homes. And um, I even, I remember one time I was um, in the process of pruning the apple trees and I was sitting down resting and um, I became aware that though I was being watched. I looked through the fence and there was a little fox on the other side of the fence and he was watching me and I was like, oh, a fox is here. I was so excited. And um, 
then he didn't like me looking at him, you know, like dogs do. He was like, excuse me, that's a challenging thing you're doing, staring at me. So he turned around and left. But, you know, that's what I love to do the most is just um, see all of the living things that have found this to be a, a, a healthy place to live. Oh, your kids are so lucky to have you for a mom. And we're so lucky that you're out here teaching your kids and, and developing that love of nature and just... I could totally, you should write a children's book. That's so sweet. I love that. Aw, well, I would totally dig that. Yeah. Those are um, the paintings you and can write my story. husband and I only have. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And okay. your Instagram. Okay, now I am remembering, right? Like your Instagram, like I clicked love on like a lot of your videos and your pictures because you are an amazing photographer, right? scared to say anything now after I thought you were from Montana. Wow. But right, that's your Instagram channel that I like was on and was like, wow, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, I, um, I guess I use that. I come from a very creative family. My dad's a sculptor. My mom, um, while she worked in insurance for a long time, um, she just, um, I think we're observers. Our family, um, we have we have a lot of creativity in our family, and um, I love to just um, I don't know focus in on the things that you might miss, but they really deserve our attention. There's so many beautiful things in the world. That might be the title of this show. That was so eloquent and just lovely. Uh, I think you're totally inspiring people right now. Like you are just. A GFF, a garden friend forever, and a soil sister. Uh, so I just feel like you you feel about compost like Eileen and I do, and just your love of nature, and just we have so much in common. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I definitely feel that way about compost. As a matter of fact, um, I, I think of it as like um, my little my little allies, you know? They're, they're in there. I can't see them, but I'm always like, hey, guys. Uh, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received, Allison? Um, my husband and I, um, when we first started out, um, we got, um, do you know the permaculture fellow, Toby yeah. Hemingway? Um, yeah, so I remember reading his book. Gaia's and, Garden, right? Um, one of the things that- I think he wrote a lot of books. Yeah, Gaia's Garden, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But it was that one where, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically says, take care of the soil and the soil will take care of your plants. And so, you know, while I think, um, you know, we, we have um, Americans or maybe humans in general, I don't know, but it seems to be, it seems to be our culture, especially. Um, we have this very uh, sort of top-down approach to gardening where we think, you know, we need to have these chemical inputs and we need to, you know, um, force the plant to do yes. this or that. And I, I, I'm not into that. I think, you know, we, we try to, um, we try to impose our competition um, style on the world. And what I've learned is that the world is not competitive, it's cooperative. And so, you know, you think about the, um, the way the, the rhizosphere, rhizosphere um, functions where, you know, the, the, um, the microbes are feeding the plant and the plant is feeding the microbes. 
the trees are lending carbon or lending nutrients or water to one another, like here, you look hungry and they're, they're sharing, you know, the, the mama trees are, are raising the younger trees. They're not competing. The grass is not competing <laughs> with the with the trees. The trees and the grass are, are cohabitating together. And so, when I think about you know um, focusing on the soil first and letting the soil take care of the plants, that just made so much sense to me. I didn't really understand it much at the time when I read it, but I was just like, now that I I can get behind that. I'll take care of the soil. Um, and then I think all of the things that I've read, all the research that I've done has just been in support of trying to find that balance. How do we support nature to do what nature already does perfectly? Golden seeds, golden seeds, Allison. This is just exactly what I love about my show. Um, what's your favorite tool? When you moved, was there only one tool you could take with you? <laughs> I would be in trouble. Right. You can um, there are, there are... <laughs> okay, well, I would say, um, you know, because we do live in an area that has such a rich diversity of life, um, we have a lot of seeds in the um, soil just waiting to emerge, which is cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. However, um, what it means is that we really do have to stay on top of weeding here. Um, uh, one of the reasons that I like no-till gardening is because you do exhaust that upper layer of soil of, um, of seeds. And so, you know, if you're keeping your paths mulch, at least at our house, that's how we do it. Um, and you're keeping your soil weeded, you're generally going to be okay with, um, with weed seeds in the garden. Um, but when I'm creating new areas to work in, I love the silage tarp, um, and, you know, I'm not big into plastic, but I have to say that this um, has been a really, really valuable tool. I was able to open up the area for gardening by laying the silage tarp down and um, letting the, the weed seeds um, be terminated that way, or letting the weeds be terminated that way. Um, so the silage tarp has been super valuable for me. And also um, I use a wire weeder um, nearly every day during the summer. Um, and it's just, um, I want to say the, um, oh darn, I'm not going to be able to remember his name. There's somebody who makes this tool, um, and I wish I could give him credit, but my husband made one for me, um, from materials that he bought at the hardware store, but it's just, um, it's just a triangle of wire, kind of stiff wire, um, attached to a handle and you just drag it along the ground and what it does is it removes the uh, the um, young weeds when they're in the thread stage so that they're not deeply attached so you don't disturb the soil very much you're just dragging it along the top and dragging the weeds out with it so those have been really um super valuable to me so that guy that has the never sink um Yes. Yeah. Not I, a quick I couldn't one. That's think of his name. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen those. Those look yeah. cool. Yeah. And your husband made one, huh? Oh yeah. Um, he has an art degree. Um, and so it's really, I mean, it's just kind of our family. We're all makers. Our son is a maker also. Um, 
so it's it's pretty easy we can we can really mm. just kind of just see what we want figure it out i i didn't have any money when i was growing up and so my whole thing has always been like if i want to do that thing if i want to um, have that thing I, I should probably look around and see what materials i have to make it come into being so um yeah he made one for me He's i love that, that way how about what's your favorite recipe you mm -hmm. like to cook or eat from the garden or your family like uh, yeah i'm i'm going to um sound a little funny right now but um i because our family has a lot of allergies um my son and i both have celiac disease and i also have a corn allergy and then just all kinds of like um random stuff doesn't agree and so honestly i am so burned out on cooking right now i was thinking about I'm that question. i am I'm too like, and even worse than that is the cleaning up after you're cooking <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, every single day it's, you know, I want to provide nourishing food. I want to provide. Food and the, what are we having eating. for dinner question? Um, That's the worst. Isn't oh, it? it just. I used to tell my mom, worst. she's like, and I mean, Nana used I to have like, you know, Monday was pot roast and Tuesday was this and Wednesday was that. And I was like, I wish I could get my husband on that. Cause I am so sick of that. What are we eating tonight? for dinner like i would just like to have like a calendar and like monday we're having mac and cheese and tuesday we're having vegetable soup and wednesday we're having anyway this is about you i'm muting my mic okay yeah i'm well, dying to hear what you're so, going to say and i'll be listeners are too um i i would love to say that i've got some great recipes um really in the summertime, the things that I enjoy are things that don't require cooking. You know, when, when I'm working in the garden a lot, I come in and I'm burned out. I'm, I'm ready to just put my feet up. So, um, I try to do things that are quick and easy. Um, some of the things that I love are, um, my mother always kept, a um, <laughs> a, a jar of quick pickles in the fridge. And, um, she grew up as a, she was um, born during the depression. And so, I don't know, there's something about um, my mother and grandmother always keeping this big jar of quick pickles. It's the, the um, cucumbers sliced in a vinegar sugar combination with onions. Um, I, I keep those in the fridge um, during the summertime. I also love sliced tomatoes with basil. Um, so those are things I like to pull out of the, the garden. Um, okra, I learned um, a friend um, recommended a way to cook okra that um, we really enjoy. Um, it's just roasted okra. You just slice it long ways and um, uh, coat it with olive oil and salt and pepper and roast it. Um, no, I'm sorry, not roast. You broil it um, on low um, for, you know, you're really just watching to see when it gets golden brown, but it's really good. It's like okra fries. Um, and I'd like to say, that I had a whole lot of other things up my sleeve, but right now I am, um, like I said, I'm just kind of burned out on cooking. Just never ends. I think those are great recipes, especially the the pickle, the quick pickle. I, I like all of them, the quick okra. My mom kind of does just like that with like either zucchinis or eggplants, but just, you know, simple. Whereas she made eggplant the first day I got here because I brought tomatoes on the, the my very last, uh, tomatoes that I had grown this summer. Anyway, I think those are great recipes. Mm -hmm. uh, 
How about a favorite okay. internet resource? Where do you find your surfing in the web? I think you're going to say Instagram, but maybe somewhere else. I am going to say Instagram, um, but also podcasts. Um, and here's the thing. I, um, I started um, listening to podcasts and these are connected because the podcast led me to these Instagram feeds. Um, I have um, a tendency to insomnia. And um, when I am not able to sleep, one of the things that I like to do is um, we have a really comfortable couch that's um, long enough to sleep on. And so, so I don't disturb my husband. I'll get up and go lie down on the couch and get comfortable there. And I'll, um, I'll try to sort of disengage my brain a little bit by listening to something calm. And um, one of the things I discovered, and I don't know if this was in 2018 or 2019, but somehow I ended up finding the No-Till Market Garden podcast, which I know you love too. Um, and also um, the Regenerative Agriculture podcast, um, John Kempf. I don't know if you know him, but um, he's, a, he's a wonderful, um, smart, um, interviewer he's he's really got a great podcast and um so that led me to um you know all of those interviews um were with people who I I learned a lot from and then I became aware that they had Instagram pages and so just watching their processes and and learning from them and then it led to their books and so now my nightstand is just groaning under the giant stack of uh reference materials so I would say um, podcasts and Instagram were, were my best resources. Well, I got a podcast for you to check out. It's, um, I want to say, Much About Nothing. I'll send you, she also has an Instagram channel, but uh, she puts you to sleep. Like, literally, like, she yeah. tells you a very short, short story, and then she repeats it even slower. She kind of talks you through a little bit of breathing at the beginning, very short, but, um, and she like trained your brain on how to fall asleep. Is it, is it excellent? Um, ah. I, it, it puts me, I've never, when I first started listening to it, sometimes, and then she even tells you like, if you don't fall asleep by the time I'm done reading the second thing of it, try to tell yourself the story in your head. And I still remember like, sometimes if I'm laying in bed and I can't fall asleep, just thinking about that very first story I listened to of hers where she talks about um, cooking tomato sauce in a lightning storm or whatever puts me to sleep. Like I don't even make it through the whole story in my head, but she is, is great. Is she, I, I want to say she's from Chicago, um, but just a master of, of helping you fall asleep at night. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to tell you super quick? Uh, I did interview John Kempf. Um, must have been before he had his podcast. Um, and then, of course, Jesse Frost, the hotel I love. Um, how about a favorite reading material, book or magazine? Like, uh, what, what, which, uh, I was going to ask you, do you have an Instagram? I guess those are the Instagram people that you recommend. Is there anybody that you follow that, like, you think customers really want to listen to or just kind of get on there? Like, I don't really remember people's Instagram, like, what they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, like, it could be like, I get on there and I click like, and I know, I know which ones like stand out to me and I prefer, but like, if you ask me what they're at so-and-so was, I wouldn't be able to tell you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have the same issue. I couldn't really say what the name of their feed is, but um, I enjoy, um, well, Daniel Mays, um, Frith Farm. I like, I like his Instagram. Um, I like Ben Hartman's. Do you know Ben Hartman, the guy who... Um, I do. I've been trying to get him to come on my show and he's just so busy. He's the lean yeah, farm, he, right? Well, he eliminates all the extra stuff. So he's going to be hard to nail down. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, I like, um, Matt Powers, the uh, permaculture guy. Um, did, yeah. did you get his book? I've had him on. You twice. have? Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to go way yeah. back in your backlog. Um, did you get his yeah. book, the Regener- regenerative soil book? No, Matt Powers wrote, I did, I, when I interviewed him, he just had the like curriculum for the school kids. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to check on, or maybe he, I don't know. I've, you're going to be like interviewed 399. And at this point, I'm kind of after six years, they're all kind of like jumbling together. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, Jesse Frost book, the living soil handbook. Um, yeah. I mean, I, um, I think um, one of the things that's been most interesting to me as I have gone through the process of um, just trying to learn more about how to bring our place to life here is that I didn't realize how interesting um, biology was to me. Um, but I mean, you know, I'll read some of these things like Jesse Frost and um, Matt Powers both really do deep dives into what's um, what's happening in the soil and why it works. Um, there's another guy, um, what's his name? Oh, Nigel Palmer, Regenerative Grower's Guide to Garden Amendments. Um, all of them are talking about the real science about what's happening in the soil. Um, and um, so I would say probably the, the thing that I like the most with the, the books that I read is to find out like what's up actually happening there and how how do we um support what's trying to take place there so that's kind of where it's at for me and in jesse's book i love hannah's illustrations and they're i mean they have great photos too but the two together like i just feel like it helps to kind of like I guess maybe I'm a visual part, but like a lot of the things that people have talked about for years on my podcast really came to life looking at Hannah's drawings mm-hmm. and Jesse's mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, uh, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. So is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about before I get to my final question? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't really have any pressing thing on my mind. Okay, here we go. Allison, if there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Um, for me, you know, growing up in Illinois among the, um, the corn and bean fields there and just seeing how agriculture has been um, changed by the industrial model, I would say that if I were going to wave a wand and change something on a large scale, I would say I would love to see local food become um, the model 
Um, so I, I think if we could disconnect from industrial agriculture and support community-based food systems, I think that would have an enormous impact. Oh, I love that. That was the perfect answer. You know what? I wanted to mention super quick. Did you ever read Nicole Masters? Um, oh my goodness. What's it called? Uh, for the Love of Soil. Nicole Masters, For the Love of Soil. You'll like that. I never, ever thought I would be interested in a book that talks about the biology of soil. And she just takes it, breaks it down. She said she couldn't believe when she wrote the book, how many people have told her, I've read this book four or five times. Or I've, and I did. I did the exact same thing. I read the book. I bought the audio book. I listened to the audio book. I'm like, it just seems like something I would never think. She just makes soil fascinating. She talks about coming to life. She talks about doing triage at your place and how to figure out what your soil needs. It's a great book if you haven't read that. I feel like I have heard her interviewed, but that book sounds fantastic. It sounds like something I would love. Yeah, I interviewed her. I'll, also, I'll make sure you get the link. It's episode 327. Let's see, July 26, 2020. So, uh, well, do you want to tell listeners how to find your Instagram so they can follow you there? Is that the best way for them to connect with you? Because I know they're going to love this interview. Um, it would be, yeah. Um, I um, kind of just on a whim, I named my garden the long cut garden. And um, it's as opposed to the shortcut because I'm in it for the long term. Um, I, oh, I was make... wondering what that meant. I get it. Like not the shortcut, yeah. the long cut. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think it's actually um, either a Wilco or an Uncle Tupelo reference too. Um, anyway, so um, I think they have a song called The Long Cut. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, The Long Cut Garden is my Instagram, and that's where I just sort of showcase the processes I'm going through to try to bring this little one-third of an acre plot of land to life. Well, it sounds like you've done an amazing job, and listeners, let me tell you, her photographs are just, they just warm your heart, because the way you capture a spider web, and the way you capture you know, just things that are going on there is just beautiful and lovely. And thank you so much for sharing with us today and um, taking this time to talk to me this morning and, and, and sharing your knowledge and what you've learned. And maybe we'll check back with you in a couple of years and see where you come. And I don't know. Well, I thank you so much for having me. This has been such a good time. Thank you, Jackie. Well, thank you. And um, have a great day, I guess. And I'll send you the link when I get this out there, which I will try to do faster than, I still have a couple of episodes from July that I'm waiting to post. <laughs> I feel so bad. And they're ready to go. All I have to do is like upload the files and, and do the show notes. But that can take me an hour just to like literally like, just to go in. It, it's just a time consuming process. I don't know. Anyway, thank you so much, Allison. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Jackie. Okay. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to 
bringing beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.